Hello and welcome to episode 198 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode is Jock, Will and Billy from the incredible British band Puppy. On today's episode we get to talk about all their influences, what made them the band that they are today and we get to talk all about their brand new album Pure Evil. Pure Evil is out now and honestly is right now as we're sitting here my album of the year. It's got elements of all of my favourite bands when I grew up, it's got the guitar tones of bands like Smash and Pumpkins, Three Colours Red and it is just solid from start to finish. It kind of gives me that era when I'm listening to it of the old MTV2 days when they used to just play solid, decent, banger after banger and that's what you get from this band, they're amazing. And this is a first for me. It's the first time I'm joined by three guests on Mark and Me. And honestly, the chat is amazing and will be coming up in just a couple of moments' time. But I always like to use the intro of each and every episode of Mark and Me to touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 197, I was joined by Kate Dolan. We got to sit down and talk all about her film, You Are Not My Mother. I just want to say now a massive thank you for everyone that took the time to listen. It was a great episode, she was amazing and I can't wait to get her back on in the near future. But today is all about one of the best bands right now in the country, Puppy. So I think the best thing to do is to get straight to it. So here's me, Jock, Will and Billy talking all things music. So Puppy, thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks for having us Mark. Yeah, pleasure to be here, man. What I want to do for the listeners out there that might be discovering Puppy for the first time is paint a picture for those guys out there of how you guys basically got into the bands that you listen to now. So take it right back to the early days. So Jock, can you remember those first albums that you bought maybe as a kid that you fell in love with that made you want to pick up a guitar or pick up a microphone and just be in a band? Um, Sure, yeah. I mean, for for me... um like new metal was sort of the the thing when I was like, I don't know, 11 or something, 11 or 12, like that kind of age where you start getting into your own, you know, uh, music and not necessarily listen to just what's on MTV or something. Although obviously new metal wasn't MTV as well at the time, but, um, but yeah, bands like there was all kind of like Limp Biscuit and Corn and stuff like that. And uh, that certainly was my way in, I think, to wanting to, be, be in a band like it was kind of like cool currency like at school and stuff it was like being in the you know being into the coolest music was was sort of like I don't know the way that you were by association cool so yeah that certainly made me want to start like making bands and stuff like that um all terrible bands but um and still are but uh but yeah that was definitely my my sort of uh, my gateway drug the Kerrang years which is still golden, and I still have tickets right now to see Limp Biscuit, and still feel like I'm 15 again, going to watch them. So I can't wait. We, me and Billy, actually went. I'm not sure if Will came, but we went to see a Limp Biscuit. No, Horn supported by Limp Biscuit, right? Amazing. Like a couple of years ago, genuinely one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Unbelievable. It's funny because Limp Biscuit. I mean, I kind of love both those bands, but um, Limp Biscuit was so much better because I think they've kind of accepted that they're like this incredible spectacle, and that Fred Durst is such a showman, and it's kind of like this party thing. Whereas Corn, I think, have gone down a path of they're still very much eking out like a kind of artistic integrity, which I'm not sure mm. necessarily still lands in the way that they they intend it to, with respect to them. 
But like, yeah. I, I couldn't believe how good Limp Bizkit were that night. It was so much fun. It was like the most fun mm. I've ever had, I think, in a music context. And Billy, was it the same for you? You were into those sort of bands growing up? Or was it different? I know everyone gets in a band at school and does battle the bands and all those sorts of things. But how was it for you? Any different to uh, Jock? Well, Jock and I actually went to school together and we met because he was wearing a corn t-shirt in the playground. And I thought I was the coolest Grebo in the playground. Um, and I went up and I was like, I bet you can't even name two of us. <laughs> and he he named like three or something. And um, I think I actually, you were a bassist at the time, Jock, and you used to have an, a purple Ibanez bass. Yeah, I, I wish it. I still had it. Yeah. <laughs> you could play it as a guitar. Just yeah, still, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Um, I think I, I remember going to your house to watch Tricky's, uh, had a bass DVD. No, not Tricky, uh, Fieldy, Fieldy's Dreams. No, no like it was, it was a, no, Fieldy's Dreams was his rap album. That was a different thing. You okay. came to my house to watch um, a Flea uh, bass video. Do you like, so like pre-YouTube, I think this is, we're showing our age here, but like pre-YouTube, you would buy in like music shops, you would buy um, like VHSs even, for or like, DVDs. For like $15.99. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, it would be like. This is a steal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it would be like half an hour of like, Flea sitting down playing the bass. But weirdly, being yeah. interviewed by um who was it it was river phoenix river phoenix oh my lord the, and um and they they it, it kind of cuts between him having this this funk jam with the the drummer uh, uh from Chad. yeah Chad. to them just yeah to them having these kind of quite far out philosophical conversations and i think they're yeah. both quite high and they're kind of like <laughs> waning so a little funny. bit and like <laughs> i think even then we were aware that it was quite funny like we weren't yeah, like wow yeah. this is deep but it yeah, was quite yeah. deep. In retrospect, it was more deep than I thought at the time. I remember there was a bit where um, he's, I, I think River Phoenix clearly didn't have like too much of a grasp on music. So we just kind of <laughs> ask him, he would give him sort of like, um, he would say, give him challenges and be like, can you, I remember one of them, he goes, can you just play some music that sounds like, you know, we're just a, a cool grandma walking down the street. <laughs> Like, I'm getting on YouTube it. after this interview and I'm going to be watching these. <laughs> he described, I remember Flea describing something that he might be doing when he's kind of improvising as raining down cosmic funk warts. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh my God. And me and Billy at that point were like, we've got to start a band. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to that, that cool. VHS. You're yeah, here today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we had to change our name from the Cosmic Funk Quartz for legal reasons. Sadly. Yeah. <laughs> and Will, what about you? Are you in the same boat? I mean, you weren't there watching this video at the time. Obviously, you're not the same school. No, not the same school. Uh, I'm also a couple of years older than these two as well. So I think I was even slightly more pre YouTube by a couple more years. So my sort of music taste was very much uh, what. I could get my hands on really uh didn't have mtv either so i got most of my uh stuff came from my older brother i was lucky to have like a brother who's nine years older and when he updated his music collection to cd uh, i inherited all of his cassettes so i got like just secondhand music off my brother really it was uh a lot of um aerosmith uh <laughs> nirvana and um terrorvision weirdly was a big uh i loved um how to make friends and influence people was an album. It's a great album. album. It a, yeah, I actually really revisited it recently. I was like, damn, it uh, it still holds up. Um, but yeah, that that was me. I I got it all. Luckily, I was fortunate to have an older sibling. I think that's sort of a, a thing that um, 
I, I'm very grateful for shaped my I could have had much worse taste in music I think uh, if it weren't for my brother whenever we discuss that like yeah Will's like entrance into music was way cooler than because I never had like a cool older sibling telling me what was good and what was bad you so I was like the, you became the cool older sibling I think well so well ish I was like you heard this cool band called Orgy they're great <laughs> <laughs> they look so cool one thing I think, um, I'm kind of in the Nirvana era, Guns N' Roses, all those sorts of things, the cassettes, I remember saving up my pocket money, but it wasn't until I saw a band live that I wanted to be in a band myself. So can you guys talk to me about your first gig when you actually see that album you've been listening to in front of you, you're sweating, you can feel that bass on your rib cage, you're like in a mosh pit for the first time. Jock, can you remember that first gig that just blew your tits off? I remember my first gig very clearly, but I, I'm not sure if I enjoyed it. I think it was more like, so my first gig I ever went to, I had a, an older sort of like family friend who who has actually, funny enough, he was the one that kind of like introduced me to like heavy music before I kind of uh, started uh, kind of discovering it on my own and buying Kerrang and stuff. Um, and he took me to see P.O.D. Wow. Supported by Il Nino. Fucking <laughs> Owen oh, uh, Huberstank. It was at the, at the Astoria as well. So it was all like Ooh. old shit that's not around anymore. Um, and I was very into POD. I think what I was a bit scared scared of Il Nino. What does POD um, stand for? Is POD like a... POD stands for Payable Upon... Payable on Death? Um, is it? Is that right? Pay, pay wow. on Death or something? It's some kind of... I, I didn't realise they were a Christian band. And so I think, in fact, I think it was Billy that told me because I was really like, <laughs> I thought I was the coolest guy in school. I came back in on the Monday or whatever, having gone to see POD on the Saturday and was like, boys, I did it. I saw the greatest event ever. I went to see POD live. And I think Billy was like, they're a shit Christian band. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was like, Christian band. And I listened to the lyrics again. And I was like, oh, yeah, they are. I didn't really kind of realize that. I thought it was Payable on death. I've just looked. Payable on death. Payable on death. I actually, funnily enough, speaking of this, I had a argument with my friend the other day who had latched on, you know, like weird playground rumours when you're a kid that seemed to specifically surround kind of new metal bands and stuff, again, because it was sort of pre-internet. Um, right, Marilyn Manson removing a rib so he could... Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and we we were listening to a new metal playlist on the way home from work and uh, uh, P.O.D. came on and he was like, man, it's crazy they're called P.O.D. It sounds for preaching on deck. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't think it does. And he was like, yeah, it's like, you know, like how the preacher would be standing on the deck preaching. And I was like, what does that even, what does that even mean? That, that makes no sense. So we, we rowed for a while. And that's why I was, uh, I was very positive that it was, it was payable on death. Because I we, researched it the can other we, day. Can um, we give him a shout out? So he, when he listens to this podcast, we can be like, fuck you, we told you. The actual yeah, real Ashton, name. Ashton, you're a fucking idiot. There you go, Ashton. Fucking <laughs> call yourself a fan. Exactly. I remember when I went to see Creed and I thought they were really cool. I was like, oh man, Creed are amazing. And then I read their lyrics and I was like, oh my God. Have you seen, I mean, no disrespect to, to Creed, but he was like, he went through quite a weird time. Wasn't he like on the run from like the, this, like the tax man or something like that? And he was uploading videos from like, like motel rooms, like going like, they're after me, man. Like to his fans and stuff. And he's got... Yeah, he had a, he had a pretty serious breakdown, I think, and was convinced that the federal government were like following him, and he was at the center of some kind of conspiracy. And he was like doing these <laughs> updates where he'd be in a in a motel room, and he'd be like, like taping up the fucking curtains and shit. And he'd be like, okay, 
I think I'm safe for now. And like, <laughs> but I mean, he was literally, I think he was deeply unwell. His family were like, if you have any information as to his whereabouts, we really want to get him back. But he was on this whole fucking like born identity <laughs> fucking. This is where adventure. puppy needs to do. You know, you guys yeah. need to start doing this sort of shit. Yeah, yeah I'm actually <laughs> filming this from a motel room. Uh, this I'm is on good. The run currently. I'm going to hear yeah, some yeah. sirens in a minute. <laughs> They're here, quickly. So, Will, Jesus you're a bit, Christ, you're a bit older, Will. You were probably watching these bands before Jock and uh, Billy were even going to gigs. What was one of your first shows? Um, I, uh, I So, I, I grew up in Bristol, so uh, we didn't have every band come to town. It was a bit less like um, you'd pretty much go and see what, like what you could, what you could get. Uh, yeah, and uh, my first gig was actually Idlewild. Oh, great band. Um, yeah, uh, I'm actually quite proud of that now. At the time, it was sort of like uh, I can't remember which tour it was, but I mean, it was their um, Hundred Broken Windows tour. But it was, um, I think, it was one of them. Like NME used to put together like tours, so yeah, like, there was like it was just whoever was coming to town, and that happened to be, I think, I was like 12, and we. Uh, it was at the Anson Rooms at the Bristol University. And um, for me, it wasn't so much about Idlewild. I'd sort of listened to them a bit. I saw them on Jules Holland the night before and I was like, oh yeah, they look like cool guys. I'm excited for this. But really it was about crowd surfing. I just like got it in my head that I was gonna crowd surf as much as I could uh, first <laughs> time in a mosh pit. I spent the whole gig just like on people's <laughs> shoulders you know like uh because i was only 12 so it was quite small i was able to get up there and i just kept i'd get to the front i'd run around i'd go back it was like uh being at a fairground you know just like kept going on the on the ride um but security I remember guards friends... were like oh for fuck's sake dude just do it <laughs> yeah. twice when you're getting out of here yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's this yeah, that again, was all man. part of it though like getting squashed getting manhandled and thrown around and kind of coming out with like oh like i ripped my fucking trousers or like i lost a shoe like this is amazing <laughs> i couldn't really give a shit about the band it was more uh about all of that nonsense we also all clubbed together to buy one bacardi breezer got a stranger to buy it for us um, <laughs> and we're convinced we were drunk it was one a great straw night. each trying to straw to it yeah man. yeah yeah that's Come on, Billy, ruin it, because Jock's got a good band there will's got a good band <laughs> i'll tell you mine in a minute which is absolutely embarrassing so billy oh, i can't wait come on uh, I, I've got a good one because I I was I had tickets to go and see Limp Bizkit and Deftones play together. Oh, wow! Which was I'm in, I couldn't believe that, uh, and I was like, oh maybe they're friends. That's quite cool. Uh, but Fred Durst cancelled because he hurt his back, oh. and I was so you know at that age when I think I was about eleven, and you know you've not really experienced a huge amount of setbacks beyond maybe not having the dinner that you wanted or having to go to school or something like that, and it was like devastating. And then, like, on the day, my dad was like, oh, my friend says, like, Deftones are here anywhere, and they're doing, like, a sort of secret show at the Forum. So I went to see the Defton uh, Deftones at the Forum, and it was... It oh, was fucking hell, that just pants over all of us. <laughs> there might have... I think that was genuinely the first one, yeah. I don't know. It was good. He was... They did a cover of uh, the Gorillas. Uh, that huge song uh, was massive that year. Clint uh, Eastwood. They did a cover of that and a cover of Weezer, and they were all quite hammered, I think. Like, Chino was very, very drunk, and I was kind of just... Yeah, quite in awe of the whole spectacle. It was, it was quite mad. That's incredible. I want to be able to say Deftones. So, the reality is, mine was Cooler Shaker. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh... That's pretty good. I think that's pretty cool. It's not that cool when you've been Where... talking about death tones. <laughs> Where did you see Cooler Shaker? Aston Villa Leisure Centre. Wow. 
That's, that makes it way funnier. <laughs> I think my parents dropped me off and I was like, wow, it was amazing. They did that one good song that everyone sang to. And then I got a T-shirt and then I was like, oh, my God. But luckily, six months later, I went to the first ever OzFest in the UK, which was like Pantera, Slayer, Foo um, Fighters, Limp Bizkit and all that. And that was incredible. Did Billy, is that the one? Because I remember very I, clearly, I remember Billy having an OzFest hoodie at school. Was, was that the one a, you went to? I went to 2001, which was oh. Black Sabbath with the original lineup, uh, Tool, Slipknot, who just released Iowa, or were just about wow. to, Papa Roach, Head PE. I saw actually Raging Speed on play. I saw them as well. That was oh, really? The t-shirt, the t-shirt was a devil in kind of cool guy sunglasses, leaning down to camera and going like, the, giving it the middle <laughs> finger. Uh, and I was so proud of it. And actually recently I was like, Fuck, where is that t-shirt? And I couldn't find it. They're on eBay for about £100 now. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I remember teachers pulling you up on that because it was a bit of a naughty t-shirt. I had a swearing. Soul, yeah, and I had a Soulfly one that I bought. I think Soulfly played as well. I had a Soulfly one that had the lyrics to their song, Jump the Fuck Up on the back, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is mainly F-bombs. And I remember t-shirt teacher being like, um, I think they wanted to send me home, but I just turned it inside out in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. The shame, the shame of I, being like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, miss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got to talk about Poppy, obviously. Um, it's amazing hearing about the first gigs you went to and albums and stuff. But you guys, obviously, after you all got together, you, you two go in school, so you're probably jamming and stuff like that. But how did it come about that you actually formed Puppy? So maybe you were in bands before and other bands. I know, Will, you joined a bit later, but how did it come that you got this band together? Uh, well, me, me and, yeah, like you said, me and Billy had kind of been in and out of various bands since we were kids. Um, and then we kind of got, yeah, we got the kind of notion of of Puppy together. We, we were playing in more like, like rocky kind of bands, but they never kind of went that heavy. There were lots of like parts of our like musical um, interest and upbringing that we weren't really able to play in the bands we were in before. And I think like this kind of, the, live scene we were in was more of kind of just like a general like indie alternative scene um so the heaviest music you might get is like a bit of like garage rock or something like that it was all kind of psych and post-punk and stuff like that and me and billy were very interested in yeah heavier music like we had that we had those interests and i think just got quite into the idea of like turning up to like one of those um generic sort of indie shows and playing like Pantera riff like we thought that was kind of like quite cool and then um Will Will was playing a band called Throne he's actually wearing the t-shirt right now represent um who were like a kind of like a like a doom stoner band um I'd been friends with Will for for a few years we used to work together in a bar um and Will was always sort of like our dream bass player in the band I think also to maybe legitimize me and Billy's interest in heavy music a little bit because he was like an actual cool like stoner rock guy um and then yeah the the kind of stars just like aligned at the right time and he was free and i think when will joined it was like just on the cusp of putting out our second ep two volume two which kind of like um generated a bit of interest around the band and that was sort of yeah it felt like it kind of cemented it for the first like me and billy had been playing with various other people and it never really felt like a band and then when will joined it like it was like okay this is this is the band just even on a personal level and everything it, it all kind of um it all worked 
So, so Will, when you joined the band, were you kind of under an impression that you wanted to bring a bit of difference to it because you'd also been a bit more established with your music taste? You knew these metal bands. Did you want to make that sound a bit more heavy and bring that kind of previous band's influences to it? Or were you just open just to hit the ground running with whatever came together? Um, yeah, I, I didn't intentionally come with the idea of making it heavier, but I, I do only really have a very what's that line Liam Neeson says like I have a very particular set of skills in, in <laughs> I really only can play kind of one way and I had like one effect pedal for my bass Jock has like 20 effects pedals for his guitar so I kind of like was very much like my old band was very like down tuned slow slow metal riffs like trying to sound like Sabbath or Electric Wizard or something uh, so I think like they I'm sure Jock knew that was really all I could do, uh, but the, I was happy to be um, joining a band that had a bit more um, going on musically than what I'd, what I'd been doing before. Uh, it sort of pushed me a bit and I had to sing and like play some more complicated riffs than I was used to, but um, it's nice to get out of your comfort zone and do something um, that you're not used to. I think it was a, a very nice um, sort of, I don't know what the word is. We met in the middle, kind of there. It was good. Yeah. And Billy, were you under the same kind of mindset as Jock then? So when Will joined, did it feel like that final piece of the jigsaw just clicked and it became puppy and you felt like, shit, this is exactly what we've been looking for? Yeah, I, I kind of feel, on one hand, I think if you're a three piece, then you kind of all need to be fairly good or at least performing the right, doing the right thing at the right time. I feel like you, you can't, maybe if you're Slipknot, you can have a couple of people who aren't that good at banging a keg or whatever. Yeah. Like but I think you're quite exposed. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, um, Clown. No disrespect yeah. to Clown, who might <laughs> get a knock on the door from Clown. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, I think maybe the people that we've been playing with before, there were a few kind of stop gaps. You just maybe, I don't know. It's a difficult thing to, to, to do, I guess, in a way, because we're so, we're a bit of an odd proposition because it's quite soft, it's quite melodic, and it's kind of coming out of a kind of indie rock thing. Bands like Pavement or Sebado that are actually very anti-metal somehow. But then obviously we, we always wanted to marry that with a heavier sound. And I don't think a lot of people would get that in a way that would that they would want to be involved in but I think Will has quite a similar 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 background in terms of the music he's into um and I think he yeah I think he just understood it and got it and and yeah like it kind of complemented what me and Drop would wanted to do and I think we all get on we we're all very stupid and have quite bad senses of humor and I think that that's always really important man I think with a free piece as well it's really hard like you said if one of your bass players or your guitarist or the frontman, there's, there's, you can't cover up any mistakes or you can't cover up any kind of laziness. You've got to be tight. You've got to be well rehearsed. And you guys have got that. And my favourite band of all time is Ruben. Um, and they're a three mm. piece and they're phenomenal. You know, they're not to go anymore. But every time I saw them live, you knew all three of them had to be on it. No one could have like a bad night off. And mm. do you find that as a band as pressure, like when you go on stage or is it just because you haven't had a six piece band or seven piece like Pearl Jam or Food Fighters or anything, is it just that you go on and you're giving it everything without even thinking because you want to be the best band on the night? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if I've ever thought about it in that, in that respect, to be honest. Like um, we, just, we just kind of practice a bunch and get the, get the songs down and just kind of 
wing it. Like, I, I, <laughs> you don't wing it. You're better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I, yeah, I, I don't think like in terms of <clears throat> uh, what you just said there, um, and uh, playing with previous musicians, I don't think the issue. Well, maybe there was a couple of people who were pretty crap, but generally, like, the issue was never. Um, oh, they're not up to it musically. It was yeah. more like, it was just kind of vibe thing. I know that sounds very hippie-ish of me to say, but like just getting along and being being friends and being able to like quickly draw from the same pool of influences and quickly, yeah. you know, if you're if you're putting a song together um, and one of, the, one of the guys in the band is suggesting doing something that is just like wrong, you know, like that's more what, where it comes from. Whereas... You know, if Will or Billy suggest something, I know exactly where they're coming from, and and likewise, and Bongo yeah, it's, it's more Bongo solo <laughs> yeah, every time. Um, but that that was more what it was, I think. And I think in in terms of the live stuff, it's just yeah, you just you just get up and 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 do your best, and I guess trust in the fact that you're. I think I I worry more about people um, like getting the music and enjoying the music. I don't really worry about us um, playing badly, even though we always do. Mm. I think you have to be able to lean into the the <laughs> idea of playing badly, especially if you're touring. God, which we're about to be soon, uh, <laughs> and and a somewhat unrehearsed. Um, you need to lead into the idea of fucking up, and I think that makes it a lot more infectious and a lot more fun. I mean, like I, bands are always going to fuck up a bit, and I think it, it's always quite exciting when that that's just kind of accepted, and and it becomes a lot lot more fun. And I think the audience will a little bit more engaged in that sense. Plus. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I just don't think we're good enough to to nail it in that way. I mean, I've seen bands before and been quite intimidated at how good they are technically and and and, and like the f- ferocity or whatever of their performance. But when I don't think we're ever going to do that. I think no, we have, I mean, yeah, we have to celebrate our uh, <coughs> our weakness a little bit. I think that's almost what the band is about. In, in a I, yeah, I, I was going to say I totally agree. I mean, like I this like so many times we'll turn up to play a festival. I mean, Will still carries his pedals in a um, Star Wars themed okay. Saints. Breeze bag, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he's had since the first rehearsal, and we've that's, that's, seen that we that's been to America, across Europe, yeah. like lots. Yeah. They don't I'm call like, it a bag for life or nothing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. But we like we always like turn up to a festival, and there's like whoever it is you know playing before or after us, like. They just seem to take it a bit more seriously. They'll have like people with the band, like they'll have like a crew with like the t-shirts saying they like have people with the band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Check and out these guys. Like... <laughs> We're like driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. a noddy car. Yeah. Um, Honestly, yeah, it's always it's always a bit like kind of shambolic and DIY, but I think that's it's just kind of our natural like uh, kind of mode, I think, and and it's it maybe add something. I think, again, coming from more of a kind of indie background or even a stoner background in a way, like metal does generally require some level of technical prowess and it is quite serious in a lot of ways. So, I, you know, yeah. you see drummers doing rudiments before they go on stage, people doing really proper vocal warm-ups. I've seen people doing like pull-up, pull-ups and shit before they play. Um, that's definitely not us, I don't think. No. On your ride, it's like, like, to work, like we want beer and we want a gym. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think about it as well, like when we started or when you guys started, I remember Jock saying, like, can you imagine like at some point Metallica were playing like tiny venues? And like imagine being one of those people who saw 
Metallica in the tiny pub or like how Iron Maiden used to play that pub in in East London and they'd have like the little paper mache Eddie and stuff and like I think like that sort of I don't know I don't think we like even thought about having an ethos but like as a band to be like trying something super ambitious but aware that you're just humans in the day and like we don't have pyrotechnics or levitating drum kit but musically it's not as yet. ambitious as not yet one day but like <laughs> to be as ambitious musically <laughs> as some of those other bands but to still be like yeah we we just rock up and do it you know it's, it's always going to be a bit flawed and a bit like try hard but like uh, not try hard have a go you know and, and you just mentioned you're going on tour and obviously you've got the album coming out pure evil um may the 6th now, what I've listened to of the song so far, I get this kind of old sort of cave-in, free colours red, metal vibes, but also the Siamese dream kind of Smashing Pumpkins guitar tones. It's a mix of everything. And I can't wait. Now, with the album, are people going to be shocked or is it a good taste of what you've released so far to give an idea of what to expect? Or is it going to be completely like, fucking hell, I wasn't expecting this. And you've got a choir, a string session. <laughs> How's it looking for the album? I think I think at one point it was going to be, we were like we were talking about trying to get like crazy extra musicians in, blah blah blah, and then we realised we didn't have the uh, uh, the budget or um, contacts to do either of those things. <laughs> we were like, let's get a timpani player. It's like, how do we do just googling timpani player near me? Um, and it did, so that didn't really happen. But um, no, I think I think it's um, I think it's a good. I, well, hopefully the songs we put out so far are a bit of a mix anyway. Yeah, um, to try and kind of give that impression. But it's definitely I, I'd say it's got the broadest um, spectrum of kind of our musical um, world on there. I think that I was think... Sort of, that sort of became the theme of the album. I think as we were putting it together. Yeah, I think obviously we're kind of defined as a band by having these slightly contradictory influences and that's almost what we enjoy about it and hopefully what the few people that do it also enjoy it, what they like about it as well. But I think maybe this is the album where we lent into that uh, that kind of pool of influences a little bit more heavily. I think maybe uh, on previous work we've kind of refined it and been like, oh, we're going to kind of push it in this direction. This is maybe going to be a little bit more like a, like a sort of proto-new metal album like a post-hardcore album but with some melodic stuff over the top maybe with, I think with our last EP we were really interested in bands like Hum and even Steve Albini stuff and that was kind of reflected in how we recorded it and even how we structured the songs a little bit but I think with this we were we kind of we had so long to make it and write it and, and, and play it together that I think we kind of really lent into the idea of it just being quite disparate and trusting somehow that the unif that it would be unified just by the, the fact that it's us it's the three of us playing it in a room and we'll kind of brand it and package it in this way, which is kind of cohesive and feeds into some kind of narrative. But I think we, we at a certain point, we made the decision to be like, fuck it, we'll have one song that is has a corn riff and the next song is gonna be like an instrumental sort of sad guitar song. Or And, and, and I think that's, that. I, I really like that about it anyway. I'm excited. Uh, lucky enough, I've been able to hear the album, which is great. Um, touring have you guys i mean I, I was thinking you're gonna be all ready you've been rehearsing like mad you can't wait but you sound all a bit on edge like oh shit we better start rehearsing. <laughs> we've got our first rehearsal in uh next week and that'll be our first rehearsal since we played a gig last year <laughs> and before that and before that we hadn't rehearsed for a year and a half so this will be our second rehearsal in, in three years wow so ho hopefully it goes well are you nervous, Will, or you aren't ready for getting back and doing what you do best? 
Uh, did you say doing what I do best? Yeah, because that's what you yeah. want to do, don't you? You want to be in a band. You want to be on stage. You don't want to be doing a job. You want to be going out there and playing music. Yeah, man. Um, I, do you know what? I've been I've been actually having anxiety dreams about it. Like I've been having like I keep dreaming it's the first night of tour, and I'm about to go on stage, and these two are furious at me because I've let the year pass and I haven't practiced. Um, but I don't know if you can see just here. I've got my base. You've I've done that on purpose, the... just to make out you've been rehearsing all day. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, I have. I've been really like, because the thing is, as well, we recorded these songs, like the new ones, especially. You know, obviously, like they're they're brand new to us. Audiences have never seen us play them. We're really excited to play them. So the set is quite chock full of new shit, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, other other than like playing them when we recorded them we've not played them even in a room so I'm like excited about that but also like really yeah it's lit a bit of a fire under me to like uh, get 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 comfortable with the, the new material and stuff so um, I'm both excited and nervous but I think um, we've got enough time we got there's loads of time we got loads of rehearsals booked in so I think we'll be good yeah fine. as long as you don't yeah. forget your bag for life we're all good <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's happened before we we played, we did a made a veil session for our um for oh our, the goat when when the goat came out yeah. the last album and uh, we got there and Will realised he'd forgotten his his strap for his bass <laughs> if you look at the photos for that session it's uh, we're all standing there apart from Will who's kind of in a stool on the corner <laughs> uh, just like <laughs> hanging out doing his thing. What I do on Mark and Me to try and make it a bit different is usually it's a one-on-one guest and the guest on the spot chooses the outro song. So every artist, every band, every musician that's been on gets to choose a song that they love by any band in the world. And then it's played at the end of the interview. Uh, Jock, Billy and Will, I'm going to ask you each for a song and then I'll surprise the listener and pick the one I like the most so you don't have a fight on air and you're kicking off about how Limp Bizkit didn't get picked. Unless you can all agree uh, right now on one that you all think is the... I think I know what I it's going to be. I think it's going to be Apache think... Indian. Apache Indian, Boom Shakalak. It's the only thing it could be. That beats what I, that beats what I was going to suggest. What were you going to say, Jock? I always would like to know what was going to make it. I was try- I, well, I'm trying to think of songs that we all we all like and listen to a lot. I was going to say the song, um, the uh, the wonders, the uh, that thing you do, the song from oh, the song from that thing you do. That's, that's very good. Do yeah. you know that you know that film? I haven't seen it, no. Oh man, it's a it's a great film. Uh, I think it was the the brainchild of Tom Hanks in the uh, late nineties, and it's oh, about wow. uh, it's about a band in the sixties called the Wonders, who were like one hit wonders, um, and the songs in the film were written by the chap from Fountains of Wayne, who died. Oh wow! Not long ago. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. And the the main song is called That Thing You Do, and it's an absolute. They play this song about 50 times throughout the film and it gets better every single time. It's um, it's power pop perfection, the three Ps. Surely that's got to be the one, man. I think that is the one. I was being a bit facetious about Apache Indian. Although, <laughs> <laughs> although shout out Apache Indian. Yeah, don't know. Still respecting that work. <laughs> Will you on board with that and the final tick for this? Yeah, yeah. I back, uh, I actually back either of those, but um, the that thing you do is a is a, it's a beautiful song, and uh, yeah, uh, R.I.P. the guy from uh, Fans of Wayne. Mm. That's uh, that's a beautiful choice, Jock. Well done. Awesome. Thanks, man. 
guys, our time is almost up. So I want to wish you all the luck on the tour. I'll come and see you at the Birmingham date. That's the closest to me. I will get your album and make sure everyone listens to it. And I honestly have had an absolute blast. And I feel like we could talk for days. So it's been a great, great 45 minutes. Thank you so much, Mark. Likewise. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Thanks, dude. Good luck with the... Uh, Thanks for having us, man. See you in Birmingham. So there it is. There's my interview with me and one of the best bands out there right now, Puppy. Like I said at the start of today's interview, you have to go and check out their brand new album. It's called Pure Evil and is out now. Genuinely, it is unbelievable. I absolutely adore it. It's only 13 tracks, but each and every single song could be a single. It's that good. The reviews all across the board are giving it 4, 5 stars or 10 out of 10. And it really is right now my album of the year. It's so, so good. And I can't wait to see them at 2000 Trees, their own UK tour starting in just a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be an absolute blast. So I want to say a massive thanks for the guys for coming on the show. If you've enjoyed today's episode, all I ask you to do is to share it on your Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. It goes a really long way for Mark and me. It costs absolutely nothing to do and really can make a difference. And if you've really enjoyed today's episode, I also have a Patreon account. On there, you can sponsor the podcast for as little as £1 per month. For that, you're guaranteed a minimum of two episodes per week, sometimes three. And on top of that, you get an exclusive Mark and Me badge. You get episodes earlier than anyone else. You're now going to start getting some exclusive interviews that are just for Patreon members. And every single month, thanks to the guys at Richer Sounds, I have some amazing prizes. This month it's a pair of headphones, last month it was a Sonos system. So jump on there, as little as £1 a month and all that money goes right back into the podcast. I'm a one-man team and it really makes a difference. So please, all the links are on markandme.com and like I said, if you can't sponsor me on Patreon, I totally understand, but just share it, it makes a massive difference. I'll be back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode and things are getting really busy. As you know, we're approaching the big 200 and I'm not slowing down anytime soon. So in the meantime, look after yourself, listen to Puppy, share our episodes and I'll speak to you all very soon. Yeah.